And welcome in to another episode of the Outsider Sports Hockey Podcast. I'm Ben Mandel, joined by Mikey D and Tom Leone as we bring news from all around the National Hockey League. And we're going to get started because we have tons to cover. And we're going to start with an extension. The Detroit Red Wings signing Dylan Larkin to an eight-year extension. And really, I feel like this proves is a nice segue also into talking about the Detroit Red Wings because I feel like being able to re-sign Dylan Larkin to a long deal like that shows that this team is on the up and up. 100%. I uh we were talking right before we got uh, you know right before you clicked record Ben uh you know this team is uh is like we considered they're they're a low key wagon you know that's what we said before when we got on here um you know they're really fun to watch they've been on some sort of hot streak um and Larkin is the is the key to that and uh and he's I think he deserves every little bit of this deal uh you know the the Red Wings are looking to make a run um you know going getting into the playoffs and I think they can do some damage in the playoffs. Um, and it all starts with uh, making your, your main guy happy uh, and giving the money that's worth and, and having him for the future. So good for Larkin. I think it's awesome. I think it's great for the Red Wings, too. I think it's a win-win for both. I find it I find it really funny. Like the Red Wings last week, you know, they hype up this Rangers matchup that they have. It's a big game last Thursday. And they, you know, absolutely spank around the Rangers and then proceed to lose three straight and get out of a playoff spot immediately after that. Uh, but I think that... I like the deal for the simple fact that they're they're also looking in locking up their guys and building a core that Detroit has lacked over the last couple of years um, and getting back to that original six, grow your homegrown guys, sign them long term and then sign bigger names in the offseason. And that's what I feel like Detroit's starting to build. You lock down Dylan Larkin, who is an underrated top player in this league uh, for eight years at a good AAV. Can't complain about it. Also gives a jolt to your team because you just lost three in a row after gaining a playoff spot. You know, they're showing they're willing to spend money on their on their guys, and they're showing the team that, hey, we believe in you guys. Look at this extension. We might make a deal. We might not. But we did something, and we believe in you guys, and let's, let, let's, let's make a run. I don't believe they're as low-key of a wagon. I don't really agree that they're a wagon at all. I think they're too streaky. I think that their big role players are a little older, a little slower. I don't know if they would get out of a first round in the playoffs. Uh, their goaltending is a little inconsistent too, but I like the deal. I'm a big fan of Larkin, and Detroit's heading in the direction uh, that an original six team should do. Uh, I think Chicago should take their blueprint. And, uh, and, and and yeah, if you're a Red Wings fan, you're excited at the prospects of having Larkin on your team and leading your team for the next eight years and uh, starting a new, a new regime for an original six franchise. So, yeah. And it is a pretty good AV. I believe it was like 69 million over those eight years. So yeah, definitely bad. not bad. Um, I do want to take a look. Those three losses that uh, you mentioned for Detroit, three losses in a row after it looked like they were on a nice little run, um, you know, they had uh, I think they won like five this. out of six, including the Ranger game. And then right after um, the Ranger game, I believe they lost three in a row. So taking a look at the month of February, win against Edmonton, win against Calgary, win against Vancouver, win against Vancouver, win in a shootout against Edmonton, win against Calgary in Calgary, loss in Seattle, win in Washington win at home against the Rangers, and then they lost three in a row. So that is an unreal stretch right there. That's one, two, three, four, five, eight wins out of nine games to start the month of February. Uh, and then they get absolutely really actually, and <laughs> well, by and, another and, hot team. Yeah, and it's by the Ottawa Senators who went out and made a deal of their own in acquiring defenseman Jacob Chikrin. Tom, this is the guy you were – been all over talking about you wanted the Rangers to bring him in realistically we knew it wasn't 
going to be possible, especially with them targeting Patrick Kane and looking more for offense than defense. But kind of talk about what you feel here with Chikrin heading to Ottawa now. Yeah, I, I, I really like Chikrin as a possible offseason ad for the Rangers. And then if they weren't able to land anybody, I would have loved because they would have been able to afford him. And then, you know, deal with the cap logistics at the end of the year, trade a good draw or something. I don't know. But you're 100% right. Chikrin's my dude. And I kind of feel bad for Chikrin because Ottawa's not a lock to make the playoffs. Uh, they are getting hot at the right time, though. I think watching Ottawa do what they did to Detroit, I think it would actually be a better situation for the NHL for this Ottawa team to get into the playoffs, get that last playoff spot instead of a Detroit. Um, Their goaltending, both teams' goaltendings, as I mentioned before about Detroit, is inconsistent. Ottawa, I think, is a little worse. I would love to see if they could try to maybe add a goalie um, here in, in before the deadline tomorrow, uh, Semyon Varlamov. Yeah, Semyon like, Varlamov. He <laughs> because, has yeah. to be a target. Yeah, I agree. And I think you know this is just the perfect move for them, not just this year to sol- solidify their defense, but also next year. They now have a formidable, formidable blue line. They have a great top six. They have a pretty big and fast bottom six acquiring Julian Gauthier along with some of the other guys that they have. Uh, Listen, I think Ottawa had big expectations coming into the year. They were a little slow to start, a little slow to gel. They're starting to get it together now. If they don't make the playoffs, I expect them to definitely be a playoff team this year, but watch out for them. If I have to say a low-key wagon, I would call Ottawa a low-key wagon over the Detroit Red Wings because when Ottawa is on, they will put up six goals against you with ease and they will dominate you from start to finish i don't necessarily see that from any of the other wild card teams and if they could just get a goalie to your point like a varlamov somebody that they can rotate to consistent goal attending play i'd be scared of ottawa and and i'll say this ottawa can beat boston in a a seven game series if they get goaltending and and i truly believe that yeah, that I don't know about that, but I think it is. It is <laughs> you a know, fair I gotta point. keep running with my Bruins. Point. You know, <laughs> I, I know, have to. I know. It's, it's every it, we have to throw like an Easter egg in there every week. But, yes, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it's it's a fair point to you know bring up as well with Ottawa. What was the talk at the beginning of the year? Selling the team and Ryan Reynolds buying it. So obviously, like I feel like that's going to be a distraction. That talk has kind of tapered off. They're not necessarily talking about selling the team at the forefront. They're actually talking about the play of these guys and the way. And the players are doing a good job of shifting that focus off of ownership and onto themselves and their play on the ice because they've been competitive enough. The East is really a gauntlet. That's the bottom line. I think you look at teams. Uh, one through 16 in the East, 13 of them are competitive and 11 of them are playoff caliber, good playoff caliber teams. I think capable of being in the top three in their divisions. So certainly uh, I think Ottawa is definitely a good team and I do think they're getting hot at the right time and they really are jelling. They're another team. I compared Buffalo to the New Jersey devils. I think Ottawa might be even a little bit closer because I think Brady Kachuk, the way he has started to kind of carry this team is definitely showing not just with his play, but also his leadership style. He has been very strong for this Ottawa team and you're right. They're a goalie away, maybe a defenseman or two, but they definitely are a goalie away from being a good playoff team. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, I agree as well. I mean, you make a good point, Ben. I think it's, uh, you know, Thompson at best uh, last year, uh, you know, regarding the Devils and all the talent that they had, you know, you know, from up and down the lines. Uh, but then when it came to goaltending, they were just shy, you know, of, uh, you know, being a really good team. And now they just have somewhat of, of competent goalie, uh, goaltending this year. And and now we can see how good they really are. Um, I think Ottawa's getting hot at the right time. I think they're, you know, getting, you know, they they have like the, the star talent, Um you know, just as the same level as the Devils, honestly, um, you know, with all the big names and, and the talent that shows offensively, um, you know, obviously, uh, you know, getting the big defensive piece in this trade uh, is going to help uh, big time as well. But, uh, you know, I just think, as, as you were saying as well, if they just get that goaltending, I think they're going to, you know, have a, a, a season on the same sense as what the Devils are having this year. And it just might be a little bit too late, as Tom is saying. It might They might miss the playoffs, but, uh, you know, just because of that goaltending piece, they might just miss it. But, Next year, if they get the goaltending piece, yeah, it's going to be a whole different story. They're going to be a force to reckon with. 
I'm excited to see them tomorrow. Uh, they play the rain uh, on Thursday night. They play the Rangers. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited to see, I don't know if Chickering's going to play. I've been reading that they might hold them out until, you know, their next game, but I'm, I'm excited to see them. I, I, I think that's going to be a really fun matchup, especially with it being the first game the Rangers are playing full strength. Ottawa with possibly their new addition and Chikrin red hot fighting for a playoff spot. I'm, I, that's going to be a buzz tomorrow. And I'm excited to watch that team up close and actually watch a full 60 minutes uh, of Ottawa, because I truly believe that, that if they didn't get off to such a slow start, they'd be really, really dangerous in the East. Yeah, it's a great point. I really do think Ottawa is a dangerous team to your point and kind of shifting over to Vegas. They went out and made a move. They got some scoring, and a guy who we mentioned on the show, I wanted New Jersey to go get if, you know, they weren't going big game hunting, and that is Ivan Barbashev. Barbashev goes out. He's a two-way player. He hasn't necessarily had the point production that everyone was expecting from him after the 60 points last year, but really, I think if you're looking for someone to slot in for Mark Stone, you got a two-way center who can go ahead and do that. And that's what Barbashev is. Mike, I'm going to stick with you here. Do you think Vegas is a better team? And do you think they are a contender to get out of the West and into the Stanley Cup final now with Barbashev? I think they're always, you know, I feel like they've always been a contender. Right out the gate, uh, since we became like a, a franchise, <laughs> they literally have been, you know, somewhat of a dominant force. They've just been adding pieces, you know, ever since that year that they went to the uh, Stanley Cup Finals and everything like that. They just continue to get better. Uh, you know, Barbashev's, I think, a great piece. I know he hasn't been as productive this year, uh, but I think he's, you know, a good asset to add to this team that has the star power as well. You know, putting up, putting up the likes of, of Eichel and, uh, and and everything like that. So um, I think, you know, I, for, for me personally, Personally, I really do believe that the Knights are, are a favorite that could come out of the West because I feel like they always are. I feel like they're just one of those franchises that I know they're still new. I know it's kind of hard to label history on a, on a team and organization that's new, uh, but uh, but they always just find a way to have that star power and they find a way to prove it and, and win. So um, I can definitely see the coming of the West and I really like the moves that they met, made. Yeah, I'm just going to add on here when it comes to Vegas. You know, I, I, I'm i going to say that I, I approve moves. I like them. You know, like I said before, I think they're always, uh, you know, a, a contender in that west uh, west of things. Um, and I, I really like the moves that they made, um, and I just think it adds to that star power that they had. So I think they're always going to be a contender. Obviously, they're first in the Pacific uh, and everything. So I just think it, uh, it all comes down to how it ends, um, uh, you know, how they finish. And I think these moves can really help them, uh, bring them to the next level coming to, towards playoff time. The West, to me, this year seems like the NFC in football. I know we're a hockey podcast, but the Golden Knights, the Kings, the Stars, the Wild kind of just makes me think NFC playoffs. And I almost have to look at that the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference in a totally different light. Like with all the moves coming out of the Metro, if the Devils only got Barbashev, you guys would be like, there's no way. There's no way we're beating Toronto. The Rangers are now going to be a tougher series. The The Lightning are getting better. The Penguins believe that they can get that final wild card spot and go on a run with their old veteran leadership. You'd be like, Barbashev's not enough. The Golden Knights get them, and it's this huge move that could put them as favorites in the West. That's how stark the difference is for me. So so if I just take the Eastern Conference down, all the other moves, I think there's been like 27 moves this deadline already. It's not even Friday. Um, if I take my East goggles off and just look strictly West, I think this move does make them better than the Stars, better than the Wild, because and better than the Kings. Because if the Knights run into the Kings, it's going to be a little more fast-paced, and they're going to do a little more scoring, which Barbashev gives. If they run into the Stars or Wild, it's going to be a little more defensive, and Barbashev is a great two-way player. So at the end of the day, there's no way looking at this deal and looking at the Knights as a team and saying that they didn't get significantly better based on the conference that they're in. And that's the only thing we can judge them on. As a league as a whole, I think it's a very small deal. I don't really consider it one of the top deals of the deadline because it's all coming from the East. But if I just like to my point before, just strictly look West. They are by far in my eyes, the favorite to get out of it because this move makes them deeper. It gives them a little bit more depth in both ends of the ice. And 
Yeah, I, I think it was, and I think they're going to get Jonathan Quick, which will give them a leg up of a little bit of a revenge kind of thing if they do run into the Kings. So it should be really interesting out there. And I think, listen, to Mike's point, the Golden Knights, since they they got the, this is a little conspiracy theory, which Mike probably loves that I'm even going to bring this up. They got the expansion draft. Love the perfect conspiracy year. Don't think the NHL looked at contracts and whatever and decided when the Golden Knights, a team in Vegas, were going we're gonna to jump into this into this league because they pulled the right strings and this franchise has got such a foundation of stardom that they're going to be good for the foreseeable future and uh move like this helps. So, No, you're not wrong. I totally believe the league wanted Vegas to succeed 100%. They were given so much more than every other expansion team prior to that on top of like all of these contracts and stuff. It is not a coincidence that Vegas was as good as they were. And it is not just because of Gerard Gallant. And it was not just because of uh, what was his name? McPhee, the guy who uh, was brought in as the general manager. Yes. He, yep. uh, you know, it, it's not just because of those guys. It's, it's because of, you know, the league setting things up the way they did. And that is why, you know what? The teams got smarter for the Seattle expansion draft, but that's also why Seattle is still good again. They're good this year. I think that's the big thing for Vegas though. Like you said, Tom, the best word to describe the West is underwhelming. It is. You look at the best teams in the West, it's Vegas, Dallas, Colorado. Colorado's the only team that scares you. They only scare me because of their star power and what they did last year. Colorado this year. But Colorado this year has not been healthy. So a healthy Colorado team 100% does scare me, especially now. I mean, they're bringing guys back. Like, they're, yeah, yeah, no, they're no, running it back. 100%. They are. They 100% scare me. And I'll, I will say this again as well. Uh, the the Pacific Division is the big key because Vegas pretty much is going to coast into the second round. They're going to get a matchup with the Kings. They'll probably win that in six or seven as long as they can figure out the goalie situation the next two days. I'm not sure if they even want Jonathan Quick to be that guy. He's been horrendous sure. this year. And speaking of Jonathan Quick, that I cannot believe Los Angeles traded him away. That was such a great move from them. Whoever, it, no, it was I, a fantastic I want to go move, and but shake the same the hand time. whoever in that front office made had the cojones to say, we cannot not do this deal. I don't care no, who Jonathan every, Quick is. No, at the same time, every single player in that locker room was pissed off that they did it, and that is a uh, problem. That uh, is an issue. I, I think it's always a problem, to your point, in the interim. But at the end of the day, these guys are – I know they're humans. They, well, but to at bring the end in Corpusalo to pair with Copley is huge. Yes, and also after a couple games playing, they understand it's a business, yet it sucks, but it is what it is. They're going to be just fine. They're going to be playing hard, and I'm not worried about the Kings having any drop-off or anything. Sure, will players that are UFA maybe or older players want to also leave the organization after the year? Maybe that could spark it up, but but at the end of the day, these guys love hockey, and no matter who gets traded or whatnot, they've watched too many other teams hold on to their old, really accomplished goaltenders a little too long kind of throwing them off their plans la's like we're going to be in the playoffs now we're going to be playing copley more we don't want the controversy let's get it over with now clear this cap space we're good and i think it's a great move yeah and it's also worth noting that copley i think is 31 years old so yeah it's not yeah, like exactly. copley's the guy of the future corpusalo it's a good move it's a good move he's a guy who's on a down year put a better team in front of him and he will succeed. He's a talented guy and he's been playing better as of late. So reminds me def- of the Schneider uh, Brodor situation. Yeah. Similar, similar. I, I mean, not, not obvi- apples to apples, and but I know, similar. I know you're not, I know you're not saying Jonathan quick is Martin Brodeur and look, Corpus Allo also isn't Corey Schneider. Corey Schneider was really really good for the devils uh, it's like almost it's flipped sh- basically in my, well, in a, my it's mind. It's a shame too. The devil's like, with what happened there, because once they actually got a competitive team that was good enough to win, that's when Schneider fell off. Yeah, because they waited just a little too long, but you had to because Brodeur no, was Brodeur. Well, and that's the thing. Bro, I think Brodeur earned the right to continue playing, even because look, the Devils even still moved off of him, and he went and played somewhere else. Like yeah, the Devils yeah, moved, yeah. they yeah. still moved off of him. So if you can move off of Martin Brodeur, you can move off of Jonathan Quick. Yeah. So uh, that's fair. Moving on though, next team. 
and Mike, it's Timo time. I know it's Timo we, time. as soon as we jump into this meeting, <laughs> he, he's like, Ben, it's Timo time. Like <laughs> Mike and I are pumped. And I know we had that really long discussion. And the base of that discussion was, well, would we give up Dawson Mercer? And the answer from all of us was an astounding, we, you do the move if you give up anybody but him. And that's what the Devils did. They gave up a, a bunch of assets, but one NHL current NHL player in Fabian Zetterland. So when you swap Zetterland off the roster for Timo Meyer, boy, oh boy, is this a much better hockey team? Yes, yes, they are. Uh, I'm gonna miss. I already, you know, I said it to you know my other fellow Devil fans, and you know I probably said it to Tom myself, but but you know obviously I would miss Zetterland. He brought a lot to the table. I mean, he was like he was a good heart to the team you know like all effort just, yeah all he effort. was all effort that's and that's and that's all he was and that's okay i think he will you know he will excel eventually in, in his career going into san jose you know like he is a young prospect and and uh and uh he's he's gonna get he's just gonna get better you know i could kind of i think it's kind of a stretch to you know put him on the same level as dawson mercer but i feel like i feel like when it comes to the progression that he could have it could be possible and similar to that um, you know, over in San Jose. So I hope the best for him uh, and everything like that. But I think you said it best, uh, best Ben, um, you know, obviously they did give up a lot of pieces to get Timo. Uh, but at the same time with Timo on this team, it is, they're, they're going to be better. There's a lot more star power. There's a lot more to look forward to. So I'm very excited. You know, we talked about it on the last pod before, before the, we concluded it last week. And, um, you know, and we did call it to an extent and everything like that. I know you said, uh, you know, as long as it wasn't Mercer that wasn't give, that was being given up, I would, be totally okay with this uh with this happening we got what we wanted Fitz got it done uh and, and the devils are, are ready to roll i'm excited to what what timo time is going to be like yeah zetterland's a talented player and i like i say he's all effort and by that he's just got a very very fast and long running motor he is 100 all the time and he can do that for a full game love to see that he's got a wicked shot very very good shot i got to see him play a little bit last year when uh utica came into town uh in wilkesbury very, very, very fast guy. He is fast, and he doesn't look very big, but he throws his body around, and he is able to hit, have some big hits. He did it all throughout his career in the American Hockey League when he was playing down there, and he was doing it in the NHL, and that's why he was he literally can fit into any type of line, whether it's a grinder line, whether it's a finesse scoring line, whether it's a get on the four check, get the puck and cycle type line. He can do it all. So definitely not someone I've wanted to give up, but you're getting Timo Meyer, who is essentially exactly what this team is looking for in a big power forward who can score. He's, I believe, tied for 16th in the league since the start of last season in goals. So he's a he's a pure goal scorer. He's big, he's physical, and he adds a huge element to this team. The Devils have reached I, – I, I love this move. I, I, full bias off, aside, I think this is probably – looking at the player gotten versus the package given up was probably the best move so far in the deadline with a day left. Like right now, if the, if the deadline was at 3 o'clock today, the Devils 100% would be the winners in my eyes. And Mike, I know you hate me saying that, but I, I genuinely believe that because they are the package based on San Jose still kind of having leverage and what they gave up and not having to touch their, their every game lineup other than Zetterland. It was amazing. And, and, and to bring up what I was going to base my first point off of the devils have reached a point where they're, they're 11 to 13 top forwards are the main priority and whatever sitting in Utica, whatever draft picks they have become secondary. You're in a, you're in a window now in a tough East where you just have to make the lineup you're rolling out every day uh, filled with known commodities. 1000%. There's no more. Oh, we can't, you know, how can we give up Zetterlin? Like his potential is so good. Yeah. That's a devil's fan mindset from two or three years ago. Right now it's, no, 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 no. I don't care about who the hell is putting up 30 goals in Utica right now. I want the superstar that has been performing in the NHL on a below average team with no talent around them. That is going to come to my team and be loaded with talent and probably be even better. And that's where the one thing I agreed with you guys with Dawson Mercer, but if the devils, and this is where I thought where Fitz did a really good job. I'm sure there was a lot of conversation and more thought given about trading Dawson Mercer than 
will come out or we might tr- hear about it in the next year or somewhere, a Sharks leak or something. I genuinely believe if it was the package was smaller, it would have included Dawson Mercer because Fitz would have been like, if there was another team giving a similar offer, he would have been like, you know what? Dawson's really hot right now. We love his development plan, but this is Timo Meyer. But he did a great job as a GM and he held out and he played his cards right. And he put together the perfect package to entice San Jose enough with young talent and draft picks rather than NHL ready players now with a dude that kind of in Zetterland is shows you all the pieces, but hasn't really put consistent stretches of games together that will now go and play consistent minutes, consistent uh, uh, power play time, probably and things like that, that made Greer go, I got to do this deal without Mercer, even though I know Quinn was pushing for Mercer because to the point I made last week, that's the guy he wanted as the Rangers head coach. Dawson Mercer was the Rangers second and third or second or third center that Quinn Im- imagined when he had the reins of that team. Instead, he got Braden Schneider because the Devils jumped the Rangers and drafted Mercer, which was a great move and a great pick. And that's who we wanted. And Fitz GM masterclass got a beautiful deal for Timo Meyer. And now the Devils are in win now mode. Who cares about the prospects? Who cares about the draft picks? Who cares about, oh, I can't even pronounce his name, Makalugadin or whatever. Who cares? You guys probably, like, like, he might become a player six or seven years ago from now, become a top player in the league, but the Devils might have two cups. So, like, at the end of the day, if the Devils win, you're going to care less about who you gave up for a player like Timo Meyer. And I think now the mindset changed in Devils fans. Like, you know what? If Meyer works out, you're going to look at trades in the future, like next year at the deadline, where you might need to add another piece or a defenseman or something. You're going to go, who cares about our prospects? Look how good Timo Meyer turned out for us. But it was that first trade always as a fan that's a part of a rebuilding team where you got to give up a player that ha- and the and the plan and development that has worked so long to build the team you have now, that it's always scary. But once it happens, now it's going to be like, oh, yeah, trade him. I don't care. He'll be in the league in four years. I'll be I'll be in the league in four years. He'll be in the league in four years. I don't care about him. Give me the player now. Give me the player now. And and, and it starts now. Devils are in, officially opened their window. Yeah, Fitz really did a masterclass here. And I also do not know how to pronounce that name. So I know I'm pretty good with names usually. <laughs> I, don't ask me. I know his first name is Shakir. So we're just going to call him Shakir. Shakir. Uh, <laughs> he actually, the funny thing about that is he stems all the way back to the Jason Arnott trade back uh, when they traded for Joe Neuendijk and Jamie Langenbrenner in, I believe, 2000, going into the 2003, 2002-2003 season. That is unbelievable that that Jason Arnott trade has stemmed all the way to Timo Meyer now. Yeah, that is that is, that is insane. Awesome. 2003, all the way to 2023, 20 years. That trade has gone. That trade tree. I will pull it up at some point, but we are going to move on. Uh, we're going to turn to the Rangers. Tom mm. Patrick Kane, you mm. get him for two draft picks. Showtime. You're baby. able to make the money work. I mean, how can you not be pleased with this? Showtime, baby. And even I'm even more pumped that the early rumblings or that he has no intention of playing for another NHL team before retiring. I'm not even, I'm so pumped for this year, but I'm pumped at the fact that if Kane works out with this roster, he he's made enough money in his career. He's closer to home. Now there is no doubt in my mind. He'll probably take like a two or three year deal at like two and a half, three million AAV just to play for the Rangers to end his career and try to win another cup. I'm, I'm like, I am so weirdly confident with everything I'm reading and listening to on these podcasts that that's going to happen. And that's insane. To me, that's insane. This Rangers lineup is so deep now. They're losing the Flyers, right? You know, as we record this, they're losing the Flyers. Somehow the Flyers have 21 shots on goal and the Rangers have 13. Once again, I'm not worried about this stretch of games until Kane's filling the lineup because they're playing with 11 forwards and five D-men tonight. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be whatever. But once Kane injects into this lineup, the moxie around the team, the players, I mean, Lafreniere, Heedle, Cockle, all three of them are on record before the Rangers got Kane that he was their favorite player growing up. Now you insert him in the lineup, the motivation and the, and the, just the starstruck and learning from him. And, and it's going to be amazing. Panarin came during that stretch of years when, when, when Panarin won rookie of the year were, was one of the best forward line combinations ever. They're putting that together, right? With Trocek in the middle, then Tarasenko and Kreider and Zibinijet are finally getting chemistry. 
the power play unit, the fifth best power play in the unit as one of the best power play players in our generation. You can't look at that deal for what they gave up and making the money work and say that this was a bad move. And it's just exciting. It's exciting because the point I just made about the devils being in the win now mode and not caring about roster management or who's in the minors or what money do and how we can't call people up. doesn't matter because I'm looking at the Rangers lineup game one of the playoffs and their top six consists of six, five out of six, probably, you know, all-stars all in their career. Every one of them has been an all-star, but Trocek, Panarin, Tarasenko, Kane, Zibanejad, Kreider. And now what, as a crazy hockey fan, I am what even makes me more excited is now they're going to be running a fourth line out there of three guys that have been cycling around our, or two guys that have been cycling around our top six who are just so solid defensively and can shut down any line or at least contain a really good line in Mott, Goudreau, and BC with the kids playing on our third line. It's, it's, it was a no-brainer for Jury. And the fact he got Tarasenko and then Kane basically said, I'm going to the Rangers, they're going to nobody, and gave the Rangers all the leverage. They got it for what they did. And... Let's go, baby. It's it's now or never for the Rangers. And, yeah, it sucks the East is a gauntlet this year. I wish the Rangers were able to do this last year with what the East looked like and not this year. But, dude, as you could tell from my five-minute monologue right there, I'm pumped. <laughs> yeah, I be, mean, Tom. yeah, you should be. And, look, we we got our, our two cents in on Timo. We we're happy about Timo. There's no reason not to be happy about Patrick Kane. Patrick Kane is is Patrick Kane. And that's the other thing to look at here. If it doesn't work out, you gave up a second round pick and a fourth round pick. Yeah, you gave up Who a cares? bag of chips. Exactly. Like, yeah, you exactly. know what? Like draft picks. For, for draft one of the picks best the American the hockey players in history. Like they gave up a bag of chips. Yeah. It's which awesome. might which is funny, Ben. I'll bring up I'll bring up uh <laughs> uh in one of our group chats, like like Mike had brought up the pack, like like he said the bag of chips reference there. And then I was reading a bunch on Twitter, like people like I guess like more like people couldn't believe that the package was that little, like, especially on the Blackhawk side, like fans were like crazy saying the package was so low. I mean, it was obvious. Patrick Kane forced his way to the Rangers. It was the Blackhawks get something or nothing because he would be a Ranger next year and sign a low AV. I mean, it, it, it's abundantly clear that was the case. He wasn't going anywhere else except the Rangers. Yeah, and once – I mean, look, Toronto made it very clear that they weren't going to go for him. So he was like, I'm going to the Rangers or I'm not going to anybody. And by yeah. going public with that, it put the Rangers in a spot where they just had to make the money work. That's really it. Chicago and, must really be blowing this up because, I mean, the Devils are going to get Max Domi in like a week or so. So well, um, they're, they're, yeah, they're, looking for con- they're looking to tank for Bedard. <laughs> <laughs> they're looking to, they're trying to tank for Bedard. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it, it seems that way. Patrick King yeah, so, was not in their long-term plans. No reason to sign him longer I mean, term. Like you, like you said before, uh, you know, I don't know if we said on here, but you know, he's done everything he could for Chicago. Time to let him walk. Time to do rebuild what he now. Wants. Yeah, let yeah. him do what he wants. Time to rebuild. I mean, if that is to you know make him go to the Rangers and and you know be disappointed every year, that's cool too. Um, but yeah, I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, all to beat the Devils. <laughs> uh, a, a super team just to beat Jack Hughes. Yeah, it's so funny because the you know the Devils are arguably just as built up as the Rangers with Timo Meyer. So, mm-hmm. hey, hey, I'll say this before, you know, we wrap this, before we wrap it up and, you know, move on. You cannot come to me with stats about how the Devils are better than the Rangers and yes. then hit me with a uh, Rangers are a super team just to beat the Devils and the Devils are some big. Just because you underdog. are, just because you, you are a super team doesn't mean you perform as one, but they are. No, a super but team. I think, I think the thing with the, I don't think saying that the Rangers are a super team and the Devils aren't is the right argument here. I think it's more the Devils truly are homegrown talent at this yeah, point. They built outside the team, of the Rangers. Yeah, ball like, the team. That's yeah, more your and, argument. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. it's like like it's like a Yankees argument, right? Like yes. everyone is always pissed off at the Yankees for just going and stacking up in free agency all the and time. And what do they do every and, time? So, you know, but like, you know what, though, like, it's still the same team there's and in baseball, you don't have to worry about a salary cap and hockey you do. So, you know, you still have to operate within the salary cap. It is not easy to do so in this league. So if you're able to do so, hats off to you. At the same time, I think the Devils are still better than the Rangers. I agree. I guess the only position where the Rangers have a clear cut edge is in goal. 
I think yeah. the Devils, uh, I think the Devils have more depth at the defense mm, position. Mm, yeah. Okay. Okay. I'll I think the that. Rangers yeah. top at like obviously Fox and Dougie Hamilton. Like Fox is the better player, but Dougie has played well enough to at least put himself near the conversation. Uh, you know, you have Ryan Graves, John Marino, and Damon Severson. Then you throw in Brendan Smith and Jonas Siegenthaler, who are all top four caliber defensemen outside of maybe Brendan. I Smith. think they're going to get one more too four. before it, before the deadline's over. But I don't think so at all because they like Kevin Ball. Ball's been playing really well lately. That's fair. Then uh, Ball can't even get in the lineup. They like the Hoktiuk, and that's why they got rid of him because he can't draw into the lineup. So. You know, it's for the devil's sake on the back end, they have so much depth and it's amazing because that's been their biggest weakness is goaltending and defense. Now, VTech's been strong. I I think they might go get a gold, uh, a backup goalie uh, because Mackenzie Blackwood clearly can't stay healthy. He's on injured reserve again. I like, <laughs> like Schmidt. I, I like Schmidt a lot, too but I don't know if they necessarily trust Schmidt. I also really like Nico Dawes. I would have rather saw Nico Dawes come up than Schmidt this year. But Dawes, Schmidt's Dawes. been great since he's been up. I'll um, say I'll say this about the the matchup between the Rangers and Devils. I, I mean, I think the Devils can win the, the Metro low-key with this Meyer move yeah, if it I works think they, out. I think they definitely but, make a push. They're only three points back. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, 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 and especially, like, the Rangers almost locked themselves into this third spot with the whole roster management with Kane because they're playing man short and it's allowing them to lose to teams like Philadelphia because they just guys are logging big minutes. You can't have your 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 top four defensive playing 30 minutes a night and three out of fours, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But big thing when I'm when I'm thinking Rangers Devils on like a first round series. And you know, to your point, Ben, I, I still do believe that the the Devils are uh better than the Rangers when you look like lineups top to down. Uh I gotta see what Kane looks like with the Rangers first before I fully agree with that. I think my opinion could change. I will say this, looking at the Devils, and if you go line by line, let's have some fun here before, you know, like towards the end of this our, our, our pod tonight. No, yeah, definitely. First lines. We'll go with like what they've been rolling out lately. And we had this conversation off pod on, in our text message group. Let's go first line. It's probably going to be for the Rangers, and then you guys can say your Devils won. It's going to be Tarasenko, Mika, Kreider against – I would probably say the top line is going to be Heischer, Tatar, and uh, Mercer. Heischer, Mercer, and Tatar, or you can go with Sharon Govich. I I would probably say they're going to keep Tatar there, though. Okay, five on five play. I'm going to go Devils there. That's see, but, but that's that, tough though. Here's those what I two think, lines yeah. I don't think are ever going to match up against each no, other. No, no, they're they're the thing they're is, not, is and, yeah. so, and I think it's going to be more that line for the Rangers is going to see the Hughes Meyer Brat line, and that line for the Devils is going to see the Rangers' best offensive line because again, you got to think of Heisher and Zabanajad. You're not going to pit those two against each other. You're going to put Zibanejad against Hughes. You're going to put Nico Heischer against the best offensive players for the Rangers. And while that might be their top line, I don't. It's it's the Panarin Kane line that you really need to be on the lookout for. Yeah. No, I agree. And 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 to my point earlier too, my big thing with when it comes to the Rangers Devil series is really how Gallant deploys his lineup. And it's why I said to both of you, I really think this could be a, a mirror image of the Rangers Kane series in whoever steals the road game is going to win the series because yeah, mice is huge. That last change in how how each coach deploys the lineup is gonna be big. It, because like it, it, if they if the Rangers could get Mott, VC, and Goudreau to just contain, or even dare I say it, shut down one of the Devils top two lines at home. The Rangers are going to control the pace of play of that, of the home games all the, pretty much primarily most of the minutes, most likely if that's the case, because then you're creating, and here's the biggest mismatch to me. And it's the Rangers ability. I feel more confident in Mott, Goudreau, and VC containing one of your top lines than Lindy having to run out McLeod, Bastion, and Wood against Mika, Mika's line or Panarin Kane line. So that's where I feel most comfortable in this series. And another underlying fact that I feel confident in is the 
the kid line or the boys to men line, which I hate that reference, but you're going to hear it a lot and Ranger fans are going to piss you off about it. I don't like that name, but that line, whoever they match up against, that's terrible. Yeah, I know. I know. (laughs) Whatever line that is going up against, they have really good playoff experience, you know, two, two and a half rounds last year. uh, And they're going to, they're going to be a pain in the ass for the devils. And that's where I like the Rangers in all the home games. And then the Devils, it's the complete – I like the Devils in all the games of the Rock because I don't want to see the kid line against Jack Hughes, Timo Meyer, and Jesper Bratt because they'll get caught in the D zone way too much. And that's exactly – I know Lindy is going to put that line against those three those three dudes. I know it for a fact. You can mark my words now on March 1st that the Rangers and Devils play in the first round. Hughes, Bratt, and, and Meyer will embarrass the kids at the Rock, and it will be a Twitter – massacre it will be a twitter massacre i know it already it really there really is a lot of matchups that are going to go into this series it really is it's going to be it's a jigsaw puzzle and whichever coach gets home ice is going to have the edge it doesn't mean that's who's going to win but it's certainly going to be who has the edge and it'll make a huge difference in the series. I think, I think the devils are in a good position right now being able to, you know, hold the point edge over the Rangers. And I do think they make a run at the Metro, but for the devil's sake, I I just think that their offensive firepower just might be too much for the Rangers. I think the devil's speed combined with the skills that they possess on the offensive side of the ice is just too much for teams to handle and they overwhelm you. Yeah. And we mentioned this uh, in the last pod about how the third period is their best period because they just go out there and do that. Yeah. Kane gives the Rangers a little more speed in their line and their depth than, than pre- that's why I'm really excited for the March 30th matchup. Cause that's going to be, if that first preview. round playoff series happens, it's going to be the preview because it's going to be both lineups fully stacked post deadline Barring any injury, we're going to see like th- like the Rangers the fir- early in the year were a very slow team. Gallant was still playing with his lines, which I'm not discounting. The Devils are a fast team. They're one of the fast, fastest. Te- they are my probably the second or maybe in the first fastest team in the NHL, to your point. But the Rangers have kind of shifted the way they play. And Gallant made that point in his press conference today. The Rangers went into the season kind of how they played the playoffs last year, trying to be a heavy team, trying to be like a control the play, slow it down, use our skill, forecheck, and have a lot of offense, his own time leading to goals, leading to power plays, drawing penalties, things like that. The Rangers have now pivoted with their additions and the way they can deploy their lineup to play a little more of the counter fast speed game because that's where they saw the east going the devils the canes the the uh maple leafs like if they run into those teams what they struggled against tampa bay the rangers are trying to deploy a skillful lineup like that and that's why i'm really excited for march 30th because if they devils skate around the rangers like they did the first couple matchups rangers are in for trouble in the first round if the rangers can contain it and look a little quicker i'm more confident going into round one yeah it's definitely you know, there's there's so much to look at going into. I can't wait to talk potential. about that series. It's, <laughs> I mean, it has. We almost need it to happen. The amount that we're talking about it without it even being set in stone. But that's just Devils fans and Rangers fans being Devils and Rangers fans. Yeah, like this is what you dream of is a playoff series. I mean, 2012 was so much fun, and I know it, for me it was so much fun because the Devils won that series. Yeah, but. That was a back and forth series. Literally, Rangers won, Devils won. Rangers won, Devils won, Devils won. The Devils stole game five, and then they won at home in game six and won the series. Like, that's what this series is going to be if they meet again. It's not going to be a sweep. It's going to be a grind. There's a reason why they went two and one uh, in the regular season. And whichever team took a two-nothing lead is the team that lost the game. Yep. Which is unbelievable. Because both teams like to come back. <laughs> I know Mike's itching are... to get some points in. I know. I know. I know, Mike. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, you're sorry, good. Mike. You, you guys. I know. We're... You guys are saying everything that I would say. I mean, you both have, uh, you know, very you know, valid points. Everything like that. Uh, you know, I always, I always bust Tom's chops and everything like that. It's my job in life. You know, as <laughs> as, as partners for as long as we've been, uh, and especially in this rivalry and everything like that. But no, 100. I, I, I'm excited for this series too because it, it's either gonna um, 
I don't see it going any other way than what you're describing, Ben. I think I could see it could be a 2012 duplicate. You said it best this, this whole regular season so far. Even when a team has a lead, they really don't have a lead. So um, anything can happen. Someone can go up 2-0 in this series, and 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 then they can switch in the blink of an eye. Um, so it's going to be very exciting to see. Both these teams just both had great additions to their teams, um, and uh, they, they've gotten better. And they're, they're already one of the two top teams in the East as it is. Uh, Tom said it best earlier. Uh, when we discussed it, saying it is kind of a shame uh, that we get this series too early. Like it's I like obviously we want the series to happen, but it's a shame that we get it in round one because the fact that one of these teams get the have to get knocked out in the first round is is just kind of you know it's like wow you know it is going to be wild on the hurt yeah. when the when the Devils win the division though and the Rangers play Stop. Boston and Carolina <laughs> in the first two rounds. Oh, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be crazy when that actually happens. I don't um, know. Carolina didn't, hasn't impressed me in the, in the, in the trade deadline this year. I don't think they've gotten any better. Yeah, and they just got pull your RV. Yeah. But I don't know. He doesn't pull the movie. He, needle he, like I think no, the devil's well, can jump they, them. They pivoted off of Timo Meyer to Jesse P- pull your RV. Like, <laughs> like I feel like the hurricanes were just as reluctant to give them an NHL ready player like a Kokaniemi. Well, you can't give up Kokaniemi because Kokaniemi is one of your key players. No, I know. Not to but mention like the Mercer, fact Kokaniemi. Yeah, but Kokaniemi also has a big contract now because remember yeah. the Canes offer sheet. They gave him the offer sheet. Yeah, I'm just I'm giving an example like Montreal. of a player similar to Mercer. Mm-hmm. They probably weren't able to to pull the trigger on. To San Jose, and then San Jose exactly. said, "Well, what prospect will do like more? Let's build something with the Devils." And that's when it switched. If 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 Carolina pulled the trigger on one of their players on their everyday lineup that the Devils didn't, then I think the Carolina would end up with Meyer. But that that's oh, how certainly. I envisioned. Yeah, that's and they look, the Devils have the deepest the Devils the Devils have the deepest system in in the league, and yeah. they still have the deepest system in the league. Like think think about all the prospects we named that they didn't deal. Like I yeah, named yeah. like five or six of them, not to mention the fact the untouchables like Luke Hughes, like, and um, apparently Nemec was untouchable. So they, they truly, you know, have a great, great system that they can dip into. And I can see the devil signing Brat Meyer Graves long-term, which I did read. And then, and then committing to their prospect pool to fill in their roster holes rather than letting guy like Brat walk or signing one of Brat or Meyer and then signing veterans to fill their roster holes. I could see the Devils doing that. I feel like they can. No, it's enough. what yeah. it's what they should do. And I, I mean, yeah. I think we haven't even touched on the fact that uh, they they have the Swiss Army essentially now with yeah. Timo Meyer. <laughs> like there's there's twelve active NHL players from Switzerland. Four of them are on the Devils roster. (laughs) Akira Schmid, Nico Heischer, Jonas Siegenthaler, and now Timo Meyer. Don't you wish that was true with Russians, that you had all the top Russians, though? That's an Olympic (laughs) team right there. We are going to pivot, though, and move on to the final team that we wanted to talk about here, and that's the Toronto Maple Leafs. I said last uh, show that we really weren't going to talk about the Leafs a lot, but the Leafs <laughs> kept making moves, so we kind of have to. And we talk, We said on the show last week, Muzzin's out for the year. They're probably going to go get a defenseman. <laughs> they answered by getting three defensemen, and they're not <laughs> done yet. Like, the Leafs still said they're not done. That's insane. They went out, they got Eric Gustafson, they got Jake McCabe, they got Sam Lafferty, they also brought in Shen. So that's three defensemen. They had to give up Rasmus Sandin, which I really don't understand for Eric Gustafson. That that move that had doesn't to be a make cat two. move, right? It has to be. It has to be. But at the same I time, Sandin's one of their young defensemen. I just don't understand why they would bring on Gustafson in order to do that, unless they had to in order to bring in Shen. Yeah. But I mean they have a strong, strong top six defenseman now. Uh, to throw in front of Ilya Samsonov and Matt Murray. They have one of the strongest forward groups in the league. So it's clearly all in for Toronto. And from what I'm seeing, it's because they don't think Austin Matthews is going to be coming back. So Mm. is this Mm. go all in to try and prove to Austin Matthews you can get out of the first round? Interesting. I I, I guess so. I I was going to say, I don't know if you want to emphasize on it, Tom, but I mean, when you have a star player – um, you know, like Austin Matthews, one of a kind, right? I mean, all this time and that you've had with them and you haven't got anything done. 
Uh, you know, I mean, you got to go all in at one point and try to prove it to him that we can win. We can get out the first round, right? I mean, you're wasting his 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 prime years right now, you know, and and it, it is unfortunate. Um, you know, so I think it's, you know, it is a valiant effort and to say that they are going all in, uh, you know, just to try to finally get over this hump that they've been experiencing forever. Um, you know, they got to keep awesome matches around, right? And that's the only way to do it is to finally win. So. And they get Tampa in the first round, most likely again. I, f- I love the Austin Matthews contract because, like, I love how the only year with the no-move clause is his last one. He basically, his agent and Toronto were like, well, you know what? Basically, to your point, Ben, and to your point, Mike, it's like, all right, well, if, I, if we don't win within this contract that last year, I I want to dictate wherever I'm going next because I'm not dealing with losing anymore. That's what that signifies to me. I, I When I looked at the contract the other day, I could not believe – that hit the only year with a no move clause in his contract was the last one. So like if Toronto wanted to trade him this year in the deadline, they could have, and they could have traded him to Arizona. They could have traded him to Vancouver, but next year, his last year of the deal, no move clause. It's just funny to me. And I think it proves your point, Ben, that I, 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 think they know that he's not going to come back if they don't win and let's go all in now goalie's always been their issue let's put everything we can in front of the goalie to prevent as many pucks going on net as possible and i love the moves because you know we've seen in the past couple years with toronto they've kind of went more towards their offense uh more towards their forward group and added like older veterans like giordano at the trade deadline this time they just loaded up and were like you know what Let's just protect our goaltending because that's always been our Achilles heel. We're going to score goals. Let's just try to prevent that puck from going in the net. And if we need more defensemen to do that, more talented defensemen rather than more talented goalies, let's do it. <laughs> well, think think about Toronto, right? How many times in the playoffs is it a blown lead always. that leads to them losing? It's, always. it's almost comical at this point with Toronto, but, you know, it, it does come to a point, and I think that's why, you know, they are willing to take on a lot of these big salaries and go ahead and make these moves because they know that Austin Matthews is going to free up some cap space when he leaves. And I, I you, John Tavares, I think, what, he has like three, four years left? It can't be more so. than that. So, you know, they they will have so their their cap is going to free up a little bit in the years to come, especially if the cap doesn't stay flat and it grows a little bit over the next couple of years. But I mean, for Toronto, it, it's it's go all in point. It's go all in time. They have to go after, uh, you know, a cup with Austin Matthews these next two years. It's not just get out of the first round, obviously, but it starts with that this year. And the new format really does hurt them a lot. Uh, We talk about, we talk about the Metro being a gauntlet this year, but they've been getting matched up with either Boston or or Tampa. Tampa. And you know, the funny thing is though, wouldn't it be so funny for Toronto to finally make their run in a year that's portrayed as the toughest in in the in the east it would like all the other years they've been like the top dog in like a softer eastern conference and they can't mm-hmm. get past the first round this year when it's an absolute gauntlet and the penguins are adding people on the rangers and devils meyer and the bruins are like the greatest team on hockey since the blackhawks probably in the lockout year starting 23 unbeaten i mean and then they'll make the run they'll beat tampa bay in the first round then they'll find a way to you know beat whoever the you know I don't know who they would play after that. It, I could just totally see that from Toronto. This would be the year they make the run when it's the toughest the East has been in years. Well, yeah, and I mean, unless I, I like how you you phrased that there because it would be they're they're bracketed with Boston, but you didn't necessarily say Boston in the second round there. I exactly. like I like the tease there. I like the tease there. Well, here's I, that. I Can you. I tell you why? I'll, I'll really I'll really twist the knife in Mikey D. I think the Rangers play Boston in the second round. So Toronto, what you not. think? So you think that the Rangers are a wild card? I can see it. That like, but even if that's the case, the Rangers would have to be the last wild card in order to play Boston before. No, the what doesn't it reseed conference final? No, no reseeding. You're playing out the Metro and you're playing out the Atlantic. Really, I could have sworn. Yeah. Like, let's say, like at the first rounds, Rangers Devils. No, it's and bracketed it's like, now. And if it's if it's Toronto Tampa Bay and Boston wins. And Tampa Bay wins and Carolina wins. Carolina would play 
uh, I mean, Toronto, because Toronto was a higher seed than the Rangers, and Boston would play the Rangers. No, that they don't. Re- no, because what? you're truly seated so with. Yeah, you're truly seated within your division. You are locked in. You have. That's why it has been a gauntlet for Toronto because they're literally locked in with either Tampa Bay or Boston every year. Wow, I don't know. And why then they've always been under the impression it reseeds in the second round. Wow, no, that sucks. Don't. So you that. Now I'd be really pissed if I was a if I was a Toronto fan, man. Are you kidding me? Really? Like if like somehow the Rangers beat the Devils and Carolina beats the wildcard team and Tampa Toronto is clearly better than the Rangers in in points, win point percentage, everything, they wouldn't get to play yeah, Carolina. If you're, if like, mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, if you're if you if the Rangers are, let's say, the lowest point total team, it's not reseeded. They get Carolina the next round. That is the way the format is, though. You, you're locked in, and that's how you play. You're locked into your brackets. That's why uh, Vegas has a shot to make it all the way to the conference final because they're gonna get LA in the second round. Yeah, very true. It, it, that's and that's why all these guys have such a problem with the format. And at the All Star break this year, they were talking about it a lot, and they say just go one through eight. That's not how it's set up anymore. You are it's top three in the Metro. And then top three in the Atlantic, the top, highest point total gets wild card two, wild card one bracketed in with uh, the other division. It's it, it's a back. bad format. They had it set up so you get more rivalry matchups in the playoffs, but truly it's just not a good format. Nope. They need to go back to one through eight. But now we're going to move on to closing out the show and talking about our power rankings. Uh, you can check out the full power rankings, our top 10 over at outsidersports.net. Check out the hockey blogs there. We also have that posted on Twitter so you could check it out. But guys, I want to just highlight one team out of the 10 in your power rankings. Mike, we'll start with you. What's one team? Where do you have them ranked? And what do you expect out of them? Yeah, the team I'm going to go with, Ben, I'm going to go with the New York Rangers here. And the reason why is because, you know, at, on our rankings, I believe all of us have them at six in our top 10. Um, and then uh, the reason why I want to emphasize on them, uh, not to bag them, Tom, I promise. Uh, but what I want to do here is because Tom said it best earlier in the show, um, you know, this addition to Patrick Kane, you know, this could really, you know, change the opinion. It could change the ranking of this team immediately. So we're going to see, uh, you know, the next game against Ottawa, you know, how this team is really going to transition uh, with the with the accusation of Kane and, and see how, uh, you know, see how they, they play. You know, they get to play up to the superstar level. Is Kane going to be the superstar they expect him to be? Um, and, you know, is he going to elevate everyone else around him at, as, as the three-time Stanley Cup champion we know and love one of the best American you know, hockey players to, to exist. You know, is he going to show up in the biggest stage in the biggest city? And is he going to turn this team around? And I think the reason why I want to emphasize on the Rangers here, because the fact that we have them at six, um, you know, is kind of, you know, kind of like a shock in, in, in to an extent, because, you know, we know how good this team can be. Uh, they're just not playing up to it, their full potential. Obviously there's some injuries, um, you know, and, and, and things there that are holding them back. But, um, you know, Patty Kane is here. Tom said earlier, it's showtime. Are the Rangers going to be that team to turn around? They can go from easily from six in the power ranking to the top three, uh, depending how they look over the next week with this new addition in Patrick Kane. Yeah, I think definitely, you know, the Rangers are certainly a team to look out for. Now, another team that didn't necessarily make it into power rankings before uh, when we were doing top five guys, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Tom, what do you want to say about them? The Tampa Bay Lightning, the team I love to hate the most, the last two Easter Conference championships that I've seen as a fan, I've I've been defeated by the Tampa Bay Lightning and their their abuse of the long term IR. And I'll say this: their time is done. I think they're going to start going into their Washington Capital, Pittsburgh Penguin type of of run. They're saved by their goaltending and Vasilevsky. They're their upfront players are getting old. I think Toronto finally beats them in this first round. I think. They made some really weird moves, kind of like last gasp moves. This deadline kind of showcasing to everybody, this could be the last chance we go after it. And uh, that's what I want to say about the Lightning. They're in our they're in our power rankings because they're a premier organization. They still have premier talent. They still have premier goaltending. But I believe this is the last year we're going to be having the conversation of that being a perennial powerhouse and chance to win the cup every year. I think they're out in round one this year. And I think the deadline moves that they've made 
and the reaches and the big deals they've had to put together and kind of using up their prospect pool and young players for one last rush is going to bite them in the ass because it's worked for them so long. And I think this is the end. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think anybody's arguing, and I think that's why Tampa Bay has kind of been faded by a lot of people this year. And just recently, this run has gotten them back into the top five of a lot of people's power rankings. Now, we had them as a staff at five overall. Tom, I know you had them at five. Mikey D had them at uh, five, I believe, as well. I had them at four. And that's just because I'm very much against the Toronto Maple Leafs. But Sue me. I don't care. Uh, going over to the team I want to focus on, though, and it's the Colorado Avalanche. I think, you know, a lot of people look at this team and think eh, they're just not as good as last year. Well, they brought a lot of pieces back that they were missing. Obviously, the goaltending is different, but, you know, they're getting healthy. And this is a talented team. And when they are healthy, they are easily the most dangerous team out west. And I think that's like it shows. Uh, I know. Uh, in our power rankings, they were the highest rated team out of the West and they came in at seven. So that just goes to show what we think of the East. Obviously, we have the East Coast bias, but, you know, the Colorado Avalanche, still a very, very, very dangerous team. Now, that's going to wrap it up for us here on the Outsider Sports Hockey Podcast. We appreciate you tuning in. Make sure to give us a follow on Twitter at Outsider Sports 3. Check out our website, OutsiderSports.net, where you can check out blogs. We have football blogs up there as well. We are starting a baseball podcast as well, coming out on Monday next week. So make sure you take a look for that. And as always, catch us next week on Thursday.